Hello there, my name is Corey Durbin, CEO of Shared Health Alliance, and I'd like to welcome you to Running Eyes, a podcast where we take a meaningful, deep dive into the relationships, strategies, and global mission of ASH to change healthcare and change lives. I am so excited today to be joined by my friend, Stacy Washington. Stacy, it is great to be with you. Corey, it's great to be in your new digs, your wonderful studio and um, the new headquarters for Ash. It's really wonderful to be here. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I'm, you know, it's, I'm a little bit nervous today because, you know, you're kind <laughs> of a big wig radio host and I don't really know what I'm doing hosting a podcast. I'm just, you know, trying to share our heart here and <laughs> I think love you're doing your good. Background, um, obviously retired Air Force uh, mom, wife. You run or are part of Black Voices for Trump. I think chairperson on Black Voices for Trump, and obviously a national radio show, nightly national radio show, uh, host of Stacy on the Right. So a lot of things going on in your life, right? A little bit. Biggest deals are, of course, Madison is a senior, so I'm not crying every day, but I have cried a few times, <laughs> and she is basically shepherding me through her senior year because she's fine. Of course, she's perfectly fine. She's but her, ready. Yeah, her dad yeah. and I are like. We're we're we've cried a few times. Yeah, I'll be there next year. I've got a daughter who's a junior, so two years oh, in a row because so the other close. one's a sophomore. You're so right? close. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'll I'll be getting notes from you and Rob. I will I will text you encouraging gifts because you'll need them. <laughs> I I am really excited though to to sit down with you. I remember probably gosh it's maybe four years ago, and you you'll know the time frame better than I maybe. But listening to you on ninety seven point one oh, yeah. on Jamie Allman's show, I think in the morning, and yeah. and I was really truthfully drawn into the conversation and I don't know specifically what the conversation was about that day but was that sort of the start or can you of when you started to be on the radio can you talk about that a little bit well actually it's been um I'd say maybe nine years maybe oh, or wow. more um that I've been on the radio and it did start with Jamie Allman he was the one who gave me my start in radio because I actually went on his show to talk about the genocide of abortion we were showing a documentary called Malfa 21 mm -hmm. across the country in nine locations and I went on to promote it and we just had seven minutes, one segment. And then afterwards, he reached out and said, you have to come on once a week. And I was like, to do what? And he said, to talk about politics, whatever. He said, I, I am a talent chooser. I chose Dana. I've chosen so many people over the past. And I'm now saying you are going to come on once a week. Wow. So start a blog and let's do this in August. And I was just thinking, he can't be serious. And then a few months later, he was like, meet me at, um, there's a, a bar named after some famous guy in Clayton. He was like, meet me there. We're going to sit and have drinks. I'm thinking, well, I only drink Sprite, but okay. <laughs> so we sit down and he has like drinks that get poured over rocks and I have Sprite. Um, he gets something in his eye and I had those little renew squeezy things that put saline, you know, just right. a little drop. So I whip one of those out of my purse. And he's like, he squeezes it into his eye and he says, wow, you're so prepared. I'm like, I'm a mom of three kids. I have a lot of things in this small purse. He I was, was like, I can't believe ask. it. Yeah. Sounds like my wife. She's got the yeah. iodine in there. Yes. I mean, you, you have to have an emergency kit in the purse because children need that stuff. So um, then after that, I started with him and he really, hmm. he went above and beyond because he brought me in to the studio and I would sit down from him on the long table behind a microphone and I would sit there I'd only have technically I'm supposed to be there for one segment but yeah. I would end up staying there for a half an hour sometimes an hour and a half and I learned radio cues from him and how to have a conversation with someone in the room without ha me saying okay now you talk you know or mm -hmm. pointing and um, just radio fundamentals and then from there I started doing his show obviously I would just call in from home and I, by then I was bitten I was like I 
I love doing this. Like, I want to do more. So I started doing more radio. I would just get interviews. And then I joined Project 21. And that was really the beginning of me doing public advocacy and surrogating or being a surrogate surrogacy um, across the country. And so it's I'm 4,000 interviews in for just for Project 21. Mm-hmm. And it has been a real growth experience. I've really learned more about communicating. And that was after I was actually appointed to school board and I was serving and loving it. And mm-hmm. then I want, I lost my race by 451 votes or something like that. And so that's when I ended up speaking under the arch at a tea party rally and then doing the interview with Jamie and then doing radio and then getting back on that board and really learning how to argue with people and get like totally worked up in closed session and maybe even right. slam hands on tables and stuff, but then go out and vote with those same people on issues we agreed on and disagree in public on issues we disagreed on and really learn how to advocate for things. And so I was on that board for almost three years until we moved our kids into Christian school out of public school and then so all of these things happen together and when I look back on it now it was just like an adventure at the time like mm. I get a phone call on a Sunday do you want to serve on school board we have an opening I'm like are you sure you're talking to the right person it's just me Stacy I just do like third grade moms I do kindergarten social right. and she's like yeah but you were also on the strategic planning committee you should join us and I'm like I should and I actually was chosen so you know it was God that I was chosen because I was the only mom all the other guys had MBAs they were businessmen and they chose me instead of those guys so um, looking back on it I can see the Lord's hand in it how he gave me first he gave me the skills to be able to actually be able to talk and do advocacy and then he brought me along as a Christian because at the time I was like I mean we go to church mm-hmm. and we the kids memorize scripture and we we are Christians, but the walk that you have to have if you're going to be in the public eye talking about issues is different. You have to be able to withstand intense criticism, and that means you really have to believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying I didn't believe it back then, but now I believe it and I can explain it, and I have a kind of immovable quality that I didn't have back then because, you know, you're worried, oh, what if they won't let my kids come over and play anymore? Yeah. And so we've already been through all that, ha- lost all those friends. All the friends from back then, we've they've been replaced by, I, I would say, those people were wonderful, but God gave us a different set of friends who are... Mm-hmm. Um, they're Christian believers and iron sharpens iron and we have this better quality of relationship. And it has been, again, it's just an adventure. It's the thing that we're all doing. We're all in an adventure, but you maybe don't realize it until you look back. You're like, hey, I was really just like organizing kid activities. And now I'm sitting here talking to Corey at Ash in his new space, huge offices with lots of like boardrooms and stuff. That reminds me a little of a book called Fierce Conversations that I read. I don't know if you've ever read it, but the premise of the book is that, you know, people think that our relationships, our conversations are about our relationships, but our our conversation is the relationship. And so, you know, that's part of this idea of I'm on this journey. And don't forget that the journey is actually the fun part, mm-hmm. the part to dig into. And, you know, it'll take <laughs> you on a lot of twists and turns. And yeah. you allude, alluded to um, the idea of people actually having conversations where they agree and disagree with each other. It's kind of a lost art, isn't it? Yeah. So it was fun back then because sometimes there'd be an issue and you can see it coming. It's on the agenda for a week away and you know, oh yeah, we're going to be fighting about this. And so then you have to not have a quorum. So board members for the state of Missouri, if you're on a school board, you can't have a meeting outside of the public's eye where you have a quorum. Mm -hmm. So on a board of seven, that would be four people. So that means three people can talk about it. So three people, three of us would talk about what, you know, the issue, like what you're doing is you're saying, can we get together on this? Because I need you to vote with me on this. And then that person's like, what is it? You know, it's not like, oh, sure. It's like, what is it? I might need something from you later. What do you need from me? And then you discuss it. And if they agree, they're like, oh yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you on this. But the implication is later, 
when I come you to you, me. yeah, you will go with me on uh-huh. something. You might not even like it, but you're going to go with me. <laughs> and so that's what you're fighting over is it's the issue, but it's also the buy-in from people and building some trust in a relationship where you don't really know each other. And maybe you don't have very much in common. On the board I was on, um, none of them were Christians. And I was the only one who had small kids at the time because our kids were much smaller. And so I felt a little out of place. And then I knew that they didn't really consider me to be like, they were all intellectuals with Mm -hmm. these really advanced degrees. And I was like, I dropped out of college. I went in the Air Force and then now I'm here. So, but I'm still... Not that's, someone you want to... That's wanna, like, like me talking to a radio show host, right? <laughs> well, it's... it's. I mean, a radio show host can be anything, but uh, I remember shoot. being on the board and feeling really almost inadequate. Like, I just needed to sit for a while and mm-hmm. listen to see how it worked. But then I realized that board service is like anything else. And if you read every piece of paper they mail you or send you, if you are aware of the agenda and you are tapped into the community, that it's really not your educational background that matters. It's whether or not you're willing to stand up for things that people actually voted you in for or listen to them when they're against something because it's their tax dollars and their children. Two of the most volatile issues any human being can get involved with with the U4. So um, the board just taught me how to organize opposition or support and also how to really parse out what is important about this issue. Everyone's mad. Everyone's sitting around in this closed session angry about this issue, but what's really important about it? And then to get to the heart of that. And it was helpful. It, it really, um, it was a good foundation for moving into doing radio and then uh, talking about politics. Which So one of the things you obviously believed in was this, the Project 21, which is, is that the name for MAFA 21? Like, am I on the right track? With no, so MAFA 21 was a documentary. I know what that is. I just wasn't sure if that. Yeah, so Project a- 21 is a part of, the um, National Center for Public Policy Research. I'm a co-chair there with Horace Cooper and Ned, Council Ned. And um, what we do is we basically, starting years ago, decades ago, Amy Ridenour, who has gone on to be with the Lord, um, she and her husband, David, started this organization, National Center for Public Policy Research, in their living room. And now they have offices right down from the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. And they actually have the Speakers Bureau. And that's what Project 21 is. Project 21 is a Speakers Bureau of center-right and hard right, like myself, uh, black conservatives who go out and speak on issues. Because at the time, almost 30 years ago, um, there were no black conservatives on television. So they could say Mm. there are no black conservatives right to the camera. And they'd be right because there was no one to speak. Now they can't say that because we do tens of thousands of interviews and we have 500,000 donors a year, small donors. We're almost exclusively funded by small donors. But the biggest deal about Project 21 is that you have these people coming from all over the country, all different backgrounds and walks of life, but speaking the truth truth about what it means to be a center-right person in America from the perspective of someone who's permanently tanned, Mm -hmm. which you and I know as Christians, there should be no permanently tanned perspective or white perspective, but dealing with the board game as it has been set, we have to have those conversations. And so we do that and uh, we write op-eds, we go on Fox News, we, you know, whatever you think can be done to talk about an issue. And sometimes we disagree. We have people in Project 21 who I don't agree with, but we all go out and speak on these issues. We, we usually use a press release and then we go and start cutting people up with a press release. But yeah. So what has that been like, just this journey? Because, I, I mean, you didn't start out a conservative right, right-wing right person. No. <laughs> and so as you transitioned and uh, from where you were to what you believe now, um, bullets fly. I mean, I mean that figuratively, of course. Hopefully, just well, figuratively. Um, not literal bullets, but relationships have been 
torn asunder. It's mm. it, So it was really, it was a, we moved from Florida where we met and got married to Belleville, Illinois. My husband was working on Scott Air Force Base as a contractor. Then we moved to this side of the river and we were like, you know, his contract is for three years with one renewal. So when he gets done with this government contract, he'll probably work for some private sector technology company and we'll move to the East Coast because my parents live in Springfield, Virginia. So that did not happen. We stayed with that company for a while. Then he moved over to this side of the river and started working for financial services firms. And at that point, we were really kind of, we're in the Midwest. We're now getting used to Midwest prices and Midwest values. And we were really making a journey also individually. We're going to church and we'd had our first child and um, just kind of comparing like, this is what God's word says on Sundays. Then all during the work, we're yelling at the, uh, during the week, we're yelling at the, the TV when Bill O'Reilly comes on. We agree with him like 10 minutes of the show, but the rest of the show, we're yelling at the TV and, you know, like, what's wrong with him? Then I start to say, you know, so he's saying something and actually it's actually in the Bible, like we are not supposed to use the government to redistribute wealth. My husband's like, yeah, well, we're not doing that. And so we would have discussions about it. And so I'm, you know, I'm getting bigger and bigger with Maya and then we have her. And by then I'm pretty sure that I've converted, like I'm some kind of a conservative Uh-oh. and I have not told him because I've been listening to bot radio. When I'm in the car with the baby, I'm always listening to bot and I'm like listening to the preaching and teaching and thinking, oh, he's so right about that. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm checking my Bible. I'm like, it does say that. Oh my goodness. This doesn't sound like things that Democrats agree with. So we're riding along one day and we get in the car. My husband says, what is this? I said, oh, it's preaching and teaching. It's called bot radio. I listen to it all the time. He said, oh, so he leaves it on. And then he says, uh, this sounds kind of, um, yeah, it sounds like, are these people Republicans? I said, no, they're just, they're preachers and teachers. They're not, it's not really political. He said, oh, he said, you know, sometimes when I'm at work and we're standing around, we, uh, we, we talk about not really politics, but a little bit. I'm like, oh, how does that go? He said, well, all the people at my work seem like they're Republicans. I said, oh. I said, what do you think about the things that they say? He said, oh, I find myself agreeing with them sometimes. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> what is happening here? So then I look over and he's just looking straight ahead. I'm like, hmm. I said, so when these people on this station talk about politics or they talk about the Bible, but it's clearly political, I find myself agreeing as well. He said, do you? And I looked out the window thinking, Lord, just maybe the baby could start crying because I feel like something horrible is about to happen. He's going to say, I'm a Republican. Or he's going to say, are you a Republican? And I'm going to be like, no, because we were both Democrats. So we ride along a little further. And then I said, well, Roddy, what does this mean? And he said, I think it means we're independents. And <laughs> the next time we voted, we were voting for Republicans. And that's kind of the journey that we took by ourselves, but together. And I think it's more, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Once you get older, I remember the first paycheck. We we're on active duty in the Air Force. We're making a pittance, but we get, you know, cost of living allowance. We get BAQ. You know, you're, you're getting these little untaxed things and that's how you can live. We're living in a little townhouse off base. We each have our own little cars. We're driving to and from in our BDUs and we're just living the life in Florida. He gets this job as a contractor making twice as much as he made on active duty. But what we didn't realize is that because all of his income was now no longer shielded from tax, it was barely more than what he was making because the taxes hit you pretty hard. So we got that first paycheck and I mean, it was almost an instant transformation. We were definitely angry about those taxes and that was the beginning to getting where we are. Now, I clearly, Republicans have different tax policy to the Democrats. As a Christian, I am not saying that the reason why we are Republicans is only tax policy, but it is not, it, it doesn't help you if you earn money and you're expecting to get your paycheck and it'd be one thing. And then you have the taxes come in and you're like, wow, I, why am I paying all of this tax? And so that's usually the question I ask all the time. I look at our little bill for the school district. You know, we pay a lot for that. Hmm. Our kids don't go there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and one of the things I think in general is about what Alliance for Shared Health does. And I think 
and what you sort of your journey is you're kind of going against the grain, right? <laughs> At least from what is expected right. of a black American. Right. Um, I, I think one of the things that we ascribe to is I, I've, I listen to your show. I enjoy listening to your show and I listen to guests that don't think just like you think and you <laughs> have a, a, a real genuine conversation with them where you're listening to their ideas that a lot of them are listening uh, respectfully to your ideas not all of them but some yeah, of them a lot of them and that's the way it should be and so there are gonna there are people within our company that have different political views of than course. I do and that's okay yeah so that's the beauty of and of getting it to still work together right. and still smiling at each other and treating yeah. each other like people yeah it's something we've got to try to maintain and I um I actually, I used to be much harder on liberal guests when they would come on. And what usually happens to me is if I go on MSNBC, they treat me like a piece of crap. Mm. And I started thinking, you know, people want to hear this cat fight, but that's all, you've already got that. You've got CNN and MSNBC for that. So if they're tuned into my program and I have someone on like Michael Steele, which that, I still get email about that interview and it was months ago. Um, or like um, last night we had Victoria Peltier. She was, she's a, a business leader entrepreneur she sits on boards she's a keynote speaker she has some very interesting ideas about mandating diversity and so we had a conversation around that i disagreed with her but i didn't have a nasty relationship with her over the mm -hmm. over the call and i actually think we're going to be able to talk again and have other interviews about different subjects relating to business and we'll probably agree on some of those we don't agree on the diversity subject but I just think there has to be some place left on earth where two people who disagree can have a conversation without it turning into Jerry Springer. So I'm going to try to provide that exactly. on my program. And hopefully some other people will be inspired and be like, hey, maybe we should invite Stacey onto MSNBC and then just treat her like a regular person. Mm. Just let her finish a sentence. We'll say a sentence. Let her finish a sentence. What a concept, sentence. right? It would be amazing, what, what wouldn't it? Wow, yeah. That's the reason I don't go on CNN anymore. So Yeah, well, if we fast forward to... Um, just a few, well, maybe a month or two ago, we sat down uh, mm. with Pat Bradley. Mm. And I think one of the things I really like our listeners to get to understand is sort of the heartbeat behind who Ash is and the people that can at least buy into what we're trying to do. And I, you got to sit down with Pat with me, and he obviously runs Crisis Aid. But more than that, he's our connection to Bible Army International Church and the things that we're doing over there with the pediatric hospital. And can you share a little bit about, you know, what you, um, what impacted you from that visit? Well, first of all, two of my friends who we pray together a lot, and I told them that I was, I said, I'm going to meet my friend Corey at his offices, and he runs Alliance for Shared Health, and we're meeting this man named Pat. He's going to be there, and he runs this thing called Crisis Aid. I was telling them, and because we were, we'd been talking about St. Louis County Council, and we're going to pray about that, and I, she said, is there anything else we need to pray about today before we get started praying? I'm like, I'm going to meet with Corey, and I want to pray about that. I want the meeting to go well, and I just mentioned, I said, and also this man named Pat from Crisis Aid, they both start screaming, oh, Pat, he's just awesome. He's amazing. You're going to love him. You're going to love him. Don't just wait until you meet him. We've met him. We know him. Uh, you know him Absolutely. and his wife. He is amazing, Stacy. You know, just wait, just wait. The meeting is going to be so good. So we pray. Then I come in and we sit around the table. And I kind of, I guess I'll share it from the perspective of how I told my husband how it went down. So I show up. We had great lunch. We had salad and sandwiches, which was amazing. It was from Bread <laughs> Company. And sometimes the simplest lunch is the best. So it was delicious. But the big deal was um, I was describing to my husband and the kids when we were having dinner how we're sitting around the board table and all it's all of the leadership of your company and then, you know, this senator from Arkansas. Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then his staffer and Pat 
And so it's just this really, it's like this conglomeration of people sitting there. And I'm sitting there thinking, I just have, how did I even get into this room? As that happens to me a lot where I'll be sitting there like, how did I get in here? Like, how, what am I doing here? So Pat starts sharing about how they, they go to Africa and he's not even, he doesn't even have any money. So he has very little money. I don't even know how he got over there, but he gets over there with some of his people and they're watching these women. These women have their child that's starving to death and they're carrying this child and they've been walking for Mm. eight hours or 10 hours, like a whole day. And they left all their other children at home to care for themselves, to bring this child in the hopes that they can get this treatment that will save their child's life. And it's just heartbreaking. He's describing it. And I'm sitting there listening to him and I can hear his heart was basically breaking for these women. They're sitting on the side of the hill and they're waiting for him to come. And their expectation is that he will give them this first treatment that will save their child's life. And so we're just sitting there on the edge of our seats like, what happened next, Pat? What happened? And then he's like, well, we, we're just going to find out if there's something we can do. And he said in that moment, he committed. He's going to raise $100,000. <laughs> And he has like, I don't remember what number he said, but it was a very small number. Like he had 10,000 or 30,000, something small. All that's all he had. Not like one account he had or his business account. That's all he had. And he says, we're doing this. Comes back to the States and goes to the people that he's already raised money from repeatedly. Friends, family, tells them about it. But then God steps in and he raises the money and they go back there and they make this hospital where these people now, when they walk these eight hours, they don't have to worry. When they get there, their child is getting this treatment. So I'm sitting there like, wow. And then you, I'm sitting next to you and I'm like slowly, you know, shoveling in some salad and listening to this story. And then you say, oh, and we give, you know, these millions of dollars a month to support this ministry. And it just clicked in my mind. That's Mm. why you're here because they need someone to talk about this and to spread the message of what they're doing. And I was just totally in. It was, it was like one second, my little switch was off. I was there, but the little switch was off and the next second it's on. And that is the effect that Pat has on people because he is so invested Mm. in saving children's lives. And then you shared the story of how you guys went as a group and that you came back here and you couldn't stop crying because Mm. of the difference between, (laughs) you know, we just throw things away. We just have so much and they have nothing. They have less than nothing. Like our poor people are wealthy people compared to that. And I've covered this before on the radio. I actually did a detailed breakdown from the Heritage Foundation on how America's poorest people, I'm not talking about people who are homeless, but if you live in a dwelling and you have heating and cooling, you actually live rich the lifestyle of a middle-class person right. in Europe. <laughs> Our poor people live a middle-class lifestyle in Europe because Europeans right. don't all have dishwashers. They don't have all have air conditioning, et cetera. So they certainly all don't have cable. And so I've done that comparison before. I've talked about it, but it was that's one thing. It's another thing to hear someone say they went, and you're a person I know, so you're like, I, I went there, and I saw, and we were there, and we loved these kids, and we had such a great time, and then I came back, and it, you, it's like coming back to, like, you left our world and went to another world and then came back, and it was overwhelming right. to come back to our world. So I, I've told that story a few times to people when they're like, oh, Corey Durbin, how do you know him, or what, what is this ash? And I've told them about it. And so I think that encapsulates what, it's, it's something that you need to understand as a Christian that that poverty is actually like alleviating it is our responsibility. And it doesn't mean that you have to go to Ethiopia or Africa or anywhere like that, but we do have a responsibility. And so when you see a company where you could literally, Corey, you could take that 14 million and put it anywhere. You could do anything with it, but you're choosing to find the people who are so desperate, so beneath the radar. No one cares what happens to them and they're just dying and no one's making a note of it. It's not getting put on CNN. Then you decide you're going to save those lives. It's a biblical 
mandate that you've accepted and then you're doing that really you're just you're basically you're doing it you're stepping out in faith and doing it out of obedience and regardless of the reward whatever that might be and that is a christian thing that we we don't hear it preached a lot we don't do it a lot and we do have a responsibility and i just want like i was listening to you talk about i thought lord i what am i doing to help with poverty and what will my report be, you know, because mm. we're all going to be doing that. Um, at the breakfast that we had, right? it was Phil Federer, he said, we're going to be sitting around in heaven, and we're going to be like, you know, at the table with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, we're just <laughs> going to be sitting around, maybe eating, maybe not. We don't know what the created bodies are going to be like. I just know no wrinkles, no sickness, no sleep, <laughs> eating for fun, not for you. I'm in. Probably. I'm in. I'm in. I'm ready. So he said, we'll be sitting there, and they'll be telling of their exploits, the things that didn't make it into the Bible. And mm. then they'll turn to us and say, hey, Stacy, yeah. what was it like for you? What, 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 what great works did you do? What signs and wonders did God pour out in your time? And I don't want to be there like, well, I had the coolest cowgirl boot collection, which... I mean, I do have some cute cowgirl boots, but that's not going to be the thing they're going to want to hear about. They're going to hear about, you know, healing or um, saving lives or standing up against the world system, proclaiming the name of Jesus, sharing the gospel, saving the lives of unborn babies. They're, that's the stories we want to have had a part in. And so I feel like Ash is doing that. That's that's the example that you can say. I, I can say it to a friend. Well, what, you know, what can we do? Well, I know some people who are doing something pretty mm. cool. We can do something like that. It it's inspirational. So I think there's a there's an aspect of that that doesn't I just wish it could go like I wish you could go on Fox News and talk about it and so more well, people could hear. And the whole thing that that idea of what Bill Federer said is is a sobering thought and it really does make me think of Pat Bradley because mm-hmm. we call this the Running Eyes podcast and he is the epitome of what I think of which is the eyes of the Lord running to and fro throughout mm-hmm. the whole earth to show himself strong on those whose heart is loyal to him and here's Pat going over there without really a penny in his pocket and saying I can't do nothing and so to for us uh, to be clear, I'm not the one giving the money. We Ash has all these members as the vendor consultant. We try and promote that the things that Ash is doing and how it's a it's a value to the members, and you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. The beauty of the international part of Ash's ministry and the connection over there is our members one dollar a month per household connects them to our our predecessor relationship in in Ethiopia, but that dollar is worth thirty three. $3 over there. So we have roughly 40,000 households. So it's 40,000 times 33. So that's where you get to, it's the equivalent of sending 14 million over there. Um, and, and, and that's when we go over there and see hospitals being built. And you're right. When, when we got back, I mean, we, we, I cried most of the time I was over there, but when we landed in DC and I flew from DC to Denver and then Denver up to Portland, and I'm sitting in front of this plane, like a Southwest flight, you know, Mm. and I'm like, I'm crying the whole way there. And I'm like, people must be thinking, what is wrong with that guy? Because he hasn't stopped crying for three hours to Denver and two hours to Portland. So it's it's very um, humbling. And to think, you know, like you said, what are we going to do with our time here that makes an impact? And I think standing up for things that you believe in, even when it's not always popular and you lose friends over it, that's, that's not easy to do. It's a lot easier to just sort of go along with the crowd, right? Well, I mean, I have thought to myself, I wonder what kind of Instagram account I would have if I just focused on the cowgirl boots and the decorating, which are two things I like to do. Um, my Instagram account would have millions of followers and no one would hate me. <laughs> no one would email me hate mail. No one would talk about my family or any of that stuff that they do. But then again, on the other side, 
there's there's something really adventurous and cool about knowing that. So I'm praying over this stuff, and then I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, you got this. I'm 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 getting behind the mic, or I'm going on this interview. I'm going to talk to these people. Um, and the last time, I I was really seriously like, Lord, what am I going to do here? Um, there's a little prayer meeting out at the Gravois Bluffs office for the Republicans, and when I got there, they were doing the Catholic Rosary, and I was like, what am I doing here? Like, oh my gosh! And so we we made it through that, and then Renee said, come in. We're just going to take turns praying. And so I was standing there, and I realized that this is my chance to talk to these. It was well over 100 people there to tell them that first of all, we can't be negative about the outcome of the election. And second of all, use this time where people are really upset to talk to them about Jesus. And so I was like, every one of you, you know, let's talk about this. And so we laughed a little. I told them what I had to say. And then we prayed. And then I left. And afterwards... (laughs) A friend texted me and she was like, it's the best I've ever heard you. You were funny, but you were talking about Jesus. She was like, I've never heard that before ever. And I'm like, really? Because I don't don't think I said anything that great. And then I realized, I'm like, that's because the Holy Spirit was working and I was there. I was I was talking, but it was the Holy Spirit who was giving me something to say that resonated with people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. And it's in whatever area. So yeah, I, I've been on Fox News a whole bunch over the past 90 days or so doing Black Voices for Trump co-chair, and I was doing surrogacy, um, Newsmax and all that stuff. And it was great. Um, but there's someone who's going to listen to this podcast who might be just speaking to their neighbor. That is just as important as when I'm Skyping into Newsmax. The idea is that you just say whatever God has for you to say and then leave it to him. He does all the watering and the growing and the fruit. His word does not return void. So all we have to do is say what whatever we feel like God has for us to say. Ask him, Lord, give me something to say because I don't right. know what I'm supposed to be saying here. Prepare yourself, you know, and then see what happens. And that's also a part of the adventure. Yeah, and I, I don't know who the quote right now was attributed to, but it's like, preach the gospel, and if you must, use words, right? <laughs> right. And at the end of the day, when you when we go over to Ethiopia and you see what, what we want Ash to be, and as the vendor consultant, this is what we talk about, we want Ash to be this community of people that says, we want to help people meet their physical needs, because not everybody who joins Ash is necessarily a Christian because the statement of beliefs that are under the federal law allow for an ethical or religious connection. Hmm. So ours kind of does both. There's an ethical and a religious connection. And my heart is that when people see that the goal and the heart behind it is meet people's needs over there and meet people's needs here by helping them with their healthcare expenses, that they say, what's different about them? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think that too many of us think it's you just beat somebody over head with what you believe and well i don't know that that always gets us very far no i don't think we're getting any far so i had uh, another friend we were having lunch uh, like three weeks ago and she said you know i remember when you first started going on 97.1 and she was like you were kind of fiery and you were angry and she's like i rarely hear you like that anymore and she was like what's the difference she said i hear you pointing people to christ and i hear you telling people encouraging things and i said well you know nobody wants to listen to somebody angry ranting for three hours a day or, you know, two hours on Sunday. Nobody wants to hear that. You can already find angry people on the te- television and radio. Um, but I said, I think it's more of a heart change because I just asked the Lord to change me, to give me something that would be of value to share. And the thing that he's given me is not 
angry and it's not ranting. It's very rarely that. It's more, hey, you know what? Here's the truth about this issue. And also here's something encouraging. And also here's something funny, you know? So it's it's like real life. And um, she said, I like it. I'm. I, she said, but it's so different. I was just going to ask you about it. And I thought, wow, it must really be something different for, you know, her to ask me. Because um, she's really known me since the Almond in the Morning days and, you know, uh, the weekend radio days. And so I just, I think people are looking for something. We know what it is. They're looking for Jesus Christ. They may not know they're looking for Jesus Christ, but we must find a way to give them the opening that they need to find him because the time is short. And everywhere I look around me, I see that the time is short. And I want to be a grandma, like the super grandma. I've been in training for years now. I don't know if that happens for me, but we have the three kids. They're getting, they continue to grow. So these are, these are possibilities for me, but on the path to that, there, we have to as Christians, we have to accept the role of discipleship that we have been given. We are supposed to do the same thing Jesus did. So when I'm getting the hate mail, I'm over the target. Jesus had hate mail, only it was in the form of people actually yelling things at him. Um, Jesus was reviled. You know, I get reviled occasionally, even by family sometimes. It's, it's you know, you get a little older, you're like, whoa, okay. Well, I'm not responding to that. You know, then you're like... <laughs> I've grown. I've grown, haven't I, God? <laughs> He's got to be laughing at me thinking, you have not grown very much. But, um, you know, so there's, there's, we just want to be more like him. And so whatever that looks like, and we can find our own way to do that. Not all of us will go, like Pat has done, over to the continent of Africa and see the abject poverty. But we can, if we have a choice on our health care and we need something better, we can choose ASH. That connects us to that, that Pat McCur- the, the, the ministry that it connects us. Um, or we can tell a friend, hey, let's go to Bible study together. Or, hey, let's look at this devotional together. Or, hey, I know you're going to something with your kid. Let's pray together. We can all do that. And so that's, that's basically what I want people to kind of get out of it. And then also, obviously, I want people to join ASH. I think mm-hmm. they should join it and use the option that's there that saves money and also saves little kids. Well, there's a lot of a lot of people are pretty afraid right now, um, and wherever there's a lot of stuff coming at us from a lot of different directions between COVID and election chaos and riots and nobody seemingly willing to listen to each other and actually hear what the other person has to say. And you know, I think it's it's time for us to keep pressing forward, mm-hmm. whatever that is, and say I'm I'm moving forward in what my calling is, and and you know, I'm hopeful that. As people hear this and they hear the heart behind what you've done and where you've been, they gain some courage for whatever they've got going on in their life. And they also know there's a way out of some of the challenges that they face with high-cost health care and that they can also be a part of something that, that I feel like is pretty special and that has a chance to impact a whole lot of people in the U.S., but has an international mission that, you know, that $1 is like sending 33 over there and the monthly contributions that people pay to ASH for their own healthcare sharing here is is a lot less than they'd pay a major insurance company. Well, it's a huge weight off of your shoulders if you're paying thousands of dollars a month to get the rates from ASH and understand that you're going to pay a lot less but still have access. Um, and I just encourage people to compare. Just go on and look and see what the price is and compare it to what you're paying or what you think you might have to pay and then make a choice. Um, It's not like there's a huge, like you don't get penalized if you try ash and then you don't like it. And you certainly um, 
you're not going to lose anything by trying it. So and easy for them if they go to stacyontheright.com, mm-hmm. right? You've got I a have link banners. there. I have banners got a, there. Got I have a, a beautiful l- ash link. Block on the side where if you prefer to click, you, you might prefer squares. So you click on that one. If you prefer a rectangle, it's at the top. And I actually have a post about it, which you can click and read all about it. Um, you can watch a video about it of me talking about it. In other words, you can find out a lot at stacyontheright.com. And I recommend people do that. Um, it's open enrollment right now. So it's a good time to look and make a decision. And and then you don't have to worry also about supporting um, abortion or other things in the healthcare That's that are correct. not yeah. not cool. They're, those are not supported by Alliance for Shared Health. Well, yeah. you've got a great website and you've got a great story, and it's really enjoyable to sit down with you and be able to to hear more of what's gone on in your life and how you've gotten to the point you've got to you've gotten to. And it's I've seen you kind of take off, and we've seen Ash kind of take off too, and it's, <laughs> yeah. they kind of mirror each other a little bit. And uh, I'm very excited to see what's next for you. You and what God has next for you in your life. So thank I'm you for pretty being excited a part about, of this. Yeah, I, I'm so glad to be connected with Ash. And I'm super excited to see, now that I'm at the, the headquarters of Ash, <laughs> and it's pretty cool, y'all. I'm serious. I'm now in the studio doing this podcast. I'm like, what, what else can I do today? I have a few other things I could, I guess. Um, so I'm excited to see what Ash is going to do. And I think God is going to use the energy and the willingness to just, he's going to blow our socks off. That's his thing. And Amen. I'm ready. I'm, I'm just waiting to see what, what are you going to do now? Yeah. Well, we are very glad you are a part of what we're doing. And uh, we're glad to also be some small part of what you're doing. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Corey. Well, that was a lot of fun. Stacy Washington is so easy to talk to. And it's great being able to ask somebody a question and, and just seeing where they run with it. She has such a deep knowledge of what she does. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed in talking to people like Stacy and who are connected to Ash is, you know, she was somebody that she's at this point in her life where she's now a public figure. She's on a national radio show. She's on Fox and CNN and these regular, she's a regular contributor, contributor to these shows. And she was just a normal person just doing life and not in the middle of boy, I want to be known. I want to be famous. I want to be somebody who, you know, is on TV and and makes a big splash. She's just doing life and trying to be obedient to what the call is on her life. And it is, it's special for me to have developed a relationship with her and with her husband, Rod. They're just, they're great down to earth people who want good things for the people that they, that they're connected to. And they really want the best for um, our country. And I I appreciate and admire her passion. And uh, that was was a fun time for me to get to sit down with her. So appreciate you listening today and look forward to being with you next time.